Hello, everybody. This is your girl, Donna D, a.k.a. Of course, that would happen when I start talking, but this is your girl, Donna D, a.k.a. The Urban Mommy, and I am back with another podcast. Now, today we are going to address one of those, um, one of the probably most pressing and sensitive topics that I've had thus far. Um, It affects countless lives around the world, not just here in New Orleans, everywhere a lot of women are dealing with this and today we're going to be talking about something that kind of deserves our full attention and that is going to be domestic violence so today i am joined with nadia who is a domestic violence survivor and an advocate she's a speaker she's an author she has a lot about domestic violence and that's what we are going to be talking about today nadia would you like to say hello to everybody hello everyone um I am Nadia Wells Evans, and I just would like to thank you for having me today. Okay. Um, Let me put one thing on before we get started. All right. There we go. So, but before we dive in, I do have a word of caution. So this episode is going to contain information that's could be sensitive and it could be a triggering topic for a lot of people so if you are someone you know is in immediate danger remember to please seek help and just be careful because you know a lot of people have triggers and we may be discussing something that may get you to one of those triggers so with that being said Nadia would you like to introduce yourself who you are and where you're from I'm Nadia I'm from here New Orleans Louisiana um Florida Project, to be exact. I'm a two-time survivor of domestic violence. And through my bout of domestic violence, I've also become an author, the founder of a nonprofit that caters to domestic violence survivors. Um, And I also host two events every year. One, a domestic violence awareness event, in October, which is Domestic Violence Awareness Month, and one in March, which is Women's History Month, and that's a women's empowerment event. Next month will be my seventh annual Domestic Violence Awareness event. Um, and I'm also a widow, mother of two, soon to be grandmother. Congratulations. Thank you. Okay, so um, based on everything that's been going on, you know, with your life, why domestic violence? Why is that something that you think you can help others to get through? Because I'm not only, a, well, I don't consider myself a survivor of domestic violence. I consider myself a conqueror because, you know, you can never say never that I'm never going to go through it again, but I promise, well, I'm going to do whatever I can to avoid it. But at the same time, I've also grew up in a house where domestic violence was an everyday thing. And my grandmother was a domestic violence survivor as well. So I want to not only help others with my story, I also want to break the curse because I don't want my daughter or my son to go through it. That's true. Okay. Um, in 
New Orleans, they say that in 2021, we actually ranked fifth in domestic violence. And that was just with the man killing the woman. We were actually fifth in the entire country. So domestic violence is really big here in New Orleans. And we don't get a, they don't put a lot of attention on it other than the negative attention that we've been getting lately because of, a lot of women have been being killed because of these situations. And most of those women called the police and put in restraining orders and everything. Um, so what do you feel about your experience with domestic violence in New Orleans? Was it really hard to deal with? It was because as I stated, I'm a two-time survivor. So the first time I didn't share anything um it was just the simple fact of one time being in an event with my husband and <laughs> he decided to cut up and i worked at 911 so it was a lot of police and stuff at this party so i didn't involve the police because i was number one ashamed plus people already had warned me about him and i didn't want to say you was right and on top of that, I'm not, well, I wasn't the type of person that would just share my personal information like that. So it was hard because I was going through this. I was working near police every day and I was thinking I was hiding it. But when the situation happened at that party, I found out that it was never a secret. Everybody knew what was going on the whole time. They was waiting on me to say something, wow. but I never did. Wow, and, and that was with, child, with the, I, wow. I'm sorry. With no, what I was saying that was your first husband, right? Yeah. Okay. The second experience, it wasn't a domestic violence situation at all. It just was one day something clicked and he became somebody else. And from the Friday to Monday, he was somebody I never saw before in my life. And he just decided that he just shot me pretty much like he just started arguing and then all of a sudden I had two guns in my face and one of them was mine <laughs> wow so he shot you shot me in my face in January of this year wow oh my god and I wanted to actually to go back to the, the first situation. So with the first situation, I know you didn't you didn't really report him. Did you ever go down to get a restraining order or anything at any point for him? So with him, with that situation, I never, by me never reporting it, I didn't have a paper trail or anything. And with the one time that we were at the party, the police were involved because they were there. They saw the arguing and everybody just felt like I was scared of him. So they involved themselves. And that night they gave me um, a stay away order. They also offered to give me an emergency divorce from him because we were not married that long when that situation happened. And it was a lot of stuff that was done that I didn't even know was available out here. And that was because I never opened my mouth to say anything. Um, but needless to say, me being the person that I am, I love him and I felt like me loving him gonna make him better. Me being there gonna make it work out. I'ma show him that, you know, 
everything ain't the same with everybody or whatever. So I stayed and almost lost my life at least three times at his hands. Wow. It took for me to decide that I'm setting the wrong type of example for my children. One day I walked away and with me talking to him again, I wound up going back thinking he changed, it's gonna work out. And then one day we riding in a truck going down the street and he just snuck me, <laughs> punched me in my face out of the blue. I waited till he went to the store he went out the door and I waited like maybe five, 10 minutes and I went out the door too because I didn't know how long it was gonna be before he came back. I left with nothing but the clothes on my back, me and my children. So he did that in, in front of your babies? He, well, he used to argue in front of them, but he never actually hit me in front of them. It just was a simple fact of, we argued so much. We fought every day. We was together for 10 years. We fought every day for at least five. And it was so bad to where anytime my baby heard one of us raise our voice, he was coming to run. He was hugging my leg and he didn't want to leave me alone because he knew. Every time we argued, he never saw us fight. But after the arguing, I have a bruise on my arm or my face was swollen or black eye or something. So he knew what was going on, even though he didn't see it. He still witnessed it by hearing it from another room. Did, I mean, other than the people that kind of warned you about him, did he show any signs in the beginning? No, he didn't. He didn't. He just kind of flipped well, no, like one day you I'm got lying. angry. I'm lying. What happened is in the beginning, he told me either you're going to do what the fuck I say, you're going to get the fuck out of my face. But I'm goofy. Right. <laughs> and I ain't taking it serious. I thought it was a joke. Why laugh? But he was serious. And every time he asked me to do something, or rather not asked me, told me to do something, and if I didn't do it, it was a problem. Then he was the type of person where he was used to he was used to dealing with females that did whatever he said. So if he fussed and I don't say nothing back, it was an issue because I'm stupid, I'm acting stupid, and I'm acting childish. If I did say something back, then it was a problem because now I'm being disrespectful and I need to shut the fuck up. So it was a, it was a damn if you do, damn if you don't type situation. Do you remember the, the first time that he hit you? Do you remember? Yeah. So the first time it was, we were living in a house where it was a fourplex. We lived on the bottom floor and I used to sit on the steps in the middle part every day because it was to the point where I was already in isolation. He wouldn't let me go nowhere. I couldn't talk to nobody. And a few people that were talking to me stopped calling and coming around because they didn't like his arrogant ass attitude. So I had nothing to do. I used to just sit on the porch by myself. So one day he came and he was like, he needed money to go to the store to go do something. He didn't tell me what he really wanted it for. And I'm telling him he can't have it because it was for a bill. Like I had to pay the water bill. And he didn't want him to know for an answer. And I'm like, I can't give it to you because I have to pay a bill. So 
out of the blue, he just punched me in my face. I'm talking about sitting on the porch, people on the, on the block and everything, and he ain't kept. And I'm like, just looking. Because I didn't hit him back, I didn't say nothing, he hit me again. So now I'm fighting back. And I'm thinking, I'm doing something because I'm fighting him back. When I should have just packed my shit up and left then. Because at that point, I only had one child. Because when I met him, I had a child. My second one is his. And that was just adding fuel to the fire by staying there and fighting them back. By the end of that fight, he had to pull my hair out my head, rip my jacket off over my head. And like I had to move all the way up the steps in the fourplex, all the way to the top. He had to pull me by my ponytail all the way down. So I'm bloody all on my knees and everything. And the people directly across the street had a camera on their house. So they watched the whole thing happen and called the next door neighbor and was like, get your people. They out here fighting, go get your people. <laughs> like Wow, so because you were fighting him back, people thought that that's just how y'all get down. Yep. Man, I'm sorry you had to go through that. And then at, those were the times when you weren't calling the police. So how did you like have to deal with that? You just had to go upstairs and treat your wounds, basically? Yeah, so I treat my wounds. I stay inside until it healed up or whatever. So I wound up like calling off a lot of days from work, which meant stuff was getting cut off because I was the only one working. Then it was, it, it got to the point where as, so I found out what he actually wanted the money for was drugs because he had a habit. And me trying not to tell people what I'm going through that, you know, love me or whatever. And me trying to keep my business to myself, wind up actually developing a habit of my own, trying to be on his level and be there for him, which it wasn't the same stuff. I was popping bills, but it still was a habit. Right. That now I had a problem that I had to kick (laughs) in order to get back to normal. People don't realize how much this type of stuff is mental. Like it's a it's a huge mental exercise to leave situations. Like they always say, well, why did she stay or why she went back? That's because the mind is very strong when you're dealing with those type of situations. Definitely. And people are always quick to say what they wouldn't do, what they wouldn't accept. But you can't say what you're gonna accept, what you're gonna go through until you in that situation. Cause I remember watching my mom, my dad fight all the time. And I used to say, I ain't never let nobody put their hands on me. I ain't never gonna be in no damn abusive ass relationship like that, man. She's stupid or whatever. And then I went and found somebody similar to my daddy and I married him. So you can never say never. You don't know what you're gonna do until you in that situation. That's so sad. And I remember reading something that you said. You said that you thought that if you would be submissive and non-confrontational, you wouldn't have any issues. That's what you thought. That's Yeah, that's what I thought because that's how I watched my mama. My mama used to tell my daddy stuff all the time. He'll tell her something, she'll get smart back. So I'm thinking, well, he whipping her ass because she getting smart. Mm. So maybe if she don't tell him nothing back, they won't have to fight. So I grew up doing the submissive thing to everything and everybody. I got fucked over by a lot of people, even people I so-called friends, because I try to avoid confrontation. Wow. 
that kind of reminds me of the situation in Chicago where the man punched the lady and her son went get the gun and shot him. A lot of people, sadly, when that happened, they were making comments saying that she should have just shut up. So it's like with women, we are forced to just shut up and to just take it, but men are allowed to do certain things and just do what they want. But we have to, oh, you need to be quiet. You need to stop talking. But like you said, that doesn't mean that he won't hit you just because you're being submissive and not talking. Right. All right. So for your first relationship, you were with him for six years? We were together for 10. Okay, so that's 10 years, but six of them was abusive or something, right? Yeah. Okay. So... Can you, like, if you look back, can you, like, think to the reason why? Like, you know, hindsight is always twenty twenty. Why is the, why do you think you stayed? Is it you think that you deserve that? Did you think that that was all you can get? Like, what made you stay now that you're looking back at it? The main reason was because I didn't want to have to admit that everybody was right. That was my main reason for staying. Then it was because I thought, if I stay and I love him and I love him and I love him and I love on him, it's going to make him better. That was wrong. Then I was also dealing with self-esteem issues. Like I've always been the fat one, the black one, the ugly one, you know, so with him first off in a relationship, he made me feel wanted. He made me feel loved. He made me feel special. And then once he had me where he wanted me, he made me feel like shit. Like I went in with low self-esteem and when I came out, I had no self-esteem. So I felt like that was all I had. All I had was him. I had to be done. Wow. And I noticed that you said that you would bottle up your emotions instead of letting it out. So how do you think that had a negative impact on everything as well? Because I never said anything. So. With me bottling emotions, I never expressed how I really felt. And that's kind of sort of dangerous in a way. Because when you get fed up, you get fed up. And it just all come out like an explosion. Like, it got to the point where after me and him being together for so long, actually fighting each other for so long, so one day, the fight, (laughs) the fight was crazy. Like, I had got so much rage in me by actually expressing how I felt and whatever with him. He wound up at the end picking me up with one hand and throwing me. Like, I hit my head on the wall. He threw me in the closet, but he used to do that a lot. Like, push me in the closet and close the door and hold that bitch so I couldn't get out. And this particular time, like I said, I hit my head. So, like, I was out. And by me not actually fighting on the door this time, he opened the door and see, I'm just deaf. Like, I couldn't see nothing because I'm not, I'm, I'm unconscious, but I can actually hear him. He over me crying like, man, get up. What you doing? Look what you made me do. Like, I love you. Just wake up. What, what the fuck? And like, he gone off, but he's still blaming me. Like, it, 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 it was fucked up. And when I actually did get up, it was my whole left side of my face was swollen because he used to be a boxer in jail. So he had 
a lot of strength. He had a lot of power behind his punch, and he was a champion boxer at that. Like, I actually have cauliflower ear from fighting him so much. And that means my ear, it swells up at any given time. Sometimes I can't hear out of it. Like all the nerve in that one ear is gone. It just do what it wants. And I have no control over it. Oh my God. Ooh, this is a, this is a lot. I, I'm like speechless. Cause like, I had no idea that it was this intense. Like, man with with your ear and everything and how how did you how do you even find the courage because you had to fight him and I know that had to be hard you know did did you ever get you know get the best of him at any point not really I mean physically no but the simple fact of me actually fighting him back fucked him up so right. but in that sense, I got the best of him because he was like, and you you still gonna hit me? So every time I hit him back, he hit me harder. Mm. And he swing harder, I swing harder. Like I, my power never measured up to his because first of all, right. he's a man. And then, mm. like I said, he was a boxer. But I'm not gonna let you just get the best of me. Like I didn't grow up like that. And right. I tried not to be confrontational anyway. But you, you know, you're not adhering to that. And I got tired of fussing about we're supposed to be equal. You're my husband. You're not my father. You know what I'm saying? Like, but he ain't want to hear that. You want to do what the fuck I say or you want to get the fuck around me. So when I decide I'm going to move around, he ain't want to hear that. He ain't wonder what. He locked me in the house and shit. That is crazy. So I know you said that people told you about him before. So did any girls ever try to reach out to you about him? No, not like that. It was just family. Like, because I met him because my mom moved across the street from his mom. So my mom and him used to, you know, see him a lot. I didn't live there. I just visited. So they, you know, they used to tell me, he always with some girl. He always with this girl. Or he do this or he do that. And I'm like, whatever. But by the time they started telling me about him, I was already, you know, single with him. So it was like too late already. Right. And that's sometimes the, the hard part about it because I know it seems weird, but I'ma just, you know, tell the truth. Sometimes we give people another chance or we try to make people good even though we know that they're bad. And what hurts the worst is when other people we find out that those other people was actually right because like I ignored everything because I thought that you loved me and I tried to do this and then they end up embarrassing you at the end. So the reason why I say that because a lot of people always say, oh, well, she knew he was like that. Well, he went to jail for fighting this one. So why would you think he would be different with you? And that's because we try not to think that everybody is the same. Like they say, all men are dogs. We try to say all men are not dogs. Then you said that he didn't even have a job at one point. But if you would come out here and say, oh, I don't want to date a man that don't have a job, people will talk about you. But because yep. you gave him a chance and you you accepted things that you probably not now knowing you shouldn't have, people will talk about you negatively like you, like it was your fault. Did you experience that? Yep. Yep. Because especially with me going through this second situation, then people was like, well, maybe that's the type of man she looked for anyway. She must like a nigga whipping her ass. 
But at the end of the day, it's not. That's not what I look for. That's not what I wanted at all. Like, you can't help who somebody else is. All I can account for is me. Who I am, what I do, what I know. Right. So, when it comes to the second one, you say with the second guy, it wasn't like an abusive relationship. He just kind of up and flipped out, kind of, right? Yep. So, with him, it was... He was abusive, but not towards me. Like, I've been knowing him since 2006, honestly. And I know he's been in abusive relationships with other people. It's just that he's never been abusive towards me. So I'm in my mind thinking, fuck, he ain't never did it before. So why would he do it now? You know, in the last, since from June of last year until January, it was us. We were together or whatever. And I had no issues. We just used to talk, chill, laugh, whatever. And then just all of a sudden, that Friday, what it was, January the 9th was that Monday. So that Friday before that, he just clicked out. He wanted to call me all kind of bitches and hoes and whatever. And I don't know why, what, what it stemmed from or nothing. Then it's just like, he just went on and on and on for like three hours straight. He laid down. On Saturday, I got up to go to work. And at this point, I had two jobs. I was working during the week. I worked one job from 8 in the morning to 5, and then I go to another job from 5 to 9 at night. So on Friday, when I came home from work, that second job, he tripped out on me. On Saturday, I just had to work the second job, and it was all day. Sunday, he... Didn't remember nothing from Friday. He told me I was lying. You're lying. I ain't do that. Man, that shit ain't never happened between us. Why would it happen now? You know, whatever. But if it happened, since you keep telling me that, you know, I'm sorry. I apologize. But you know that ain't for us. Whatever, whatever. So on Monday, I get up. I go to work. The two jobs again. I come back from the second job Monday night. And he like, sleep on the sofa. But I have like a... um. A custom creation business. Like I had shirts on the sofa or whatever that I was doing for somebody. But he was laying on top of them. And I'm like, now why would you lay on them people's shirts or whatever? Just like that. No attitude. I didn't raise my voice. He's supposed to be asleep. I didn't even know he heard me. He just jumped up. The fuck you playing with me? Why the fuck you keep fucking with me? Nigga trying to be good. You fucking with me, you stupid duck ass hoe. And this, this, this. He just going off. I, I was all kind of bitches and hoes. Duck ass, stupid, this, that. Whatever, whatever. So we passed words back and forward. But at first, I just let him fuss. I ain't tell him nothing. So he got mad because I ain't say nothing. So he's steady going on and on. So when I did tell him something back, he gonna tell me, and who the fuck you talking to? You ain't never talked to me like that before. You ain't gonna fucking do it not because I don't fucking like it and I ain't about to get used to that shit. Straight up. So I'm like, well, if you don't want me to tell you nothing, don't tell me nothing. Straight up, like, you be quiet, I'm going to be quiet. It's just that simple. He's steady going off, going off, going off. Then he like, wait, so you want me to go, right? And I'm just looking at him. He like, ain't that what you said? That's what you said, right? You want me to go? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I want you to go. He was like, and when you want me to do that right now, and you stand on that shit, right? 
because that's what you said, right? And I'm like, yeah. So he was like, hey, bitch, you want me to fucking go? Yeah, I'm going to go. But guess what? You're going to fucking go first. And he put two guns in my face, straight like this. One on this side, one on this side. A 40 and a 45, automatic. So, naturally, I'm quiet. I ain't got shit to say. Before them guns came out, though, I was running my mouth. <laughs> What's up, fat? Just because I ain't right. scared. But when the guns came out, I'm a bitch. I'm scared. <laughs> right? So, I get quiet. Then you get mad and start fussing about, oh, so now you ain't got nothing to say? Don't get quiet now. Keep running your mouth, bitch. You been saying shit? Keep fucking talking, ho. You know what I'm saying? Excuse my language, but this is the way it came out. Straight like that. So, I'm still not saying nothing, so he got mad. Oh, so you want to be quiet? You ain't got shit to say? Nah, huh? I bet. So, he put one here and one here. The one he put right here under my chin, he pulled a trigger four times. Gun wouldn't go off. It clicked, but it wouldn't go off. He got mad. And laid across my leg and put his elbow in my knees, in my leg, so I couldn't move or whatever. He was like, you think a nigga kept, and I'm going to show you, I ain't fucking playing with you. I'm going to show you, these bitches loaded in a safety off. He opened the chamber and showed me they had a bullet in a chamber in both of them, and the safety was off for both of them. He was pissed off because the gun wouldn't go off. I don't understand. I don't know what the fuck wrong. I don't know what's going on. But a nigga ain't playing. Yay, I'll blow your motherfucking head off, bitch. Sound like... So you like seriously gonna do this with my baby in the next room? That's that's what you're doing? He was like, fuck that. I don't give a fuck. So he moved one of the guns and he pointed that bitch at the hallway. He was saying, if he come out that motherfucking room, I'ma shoot both of you bitches on GP. But the gun wouldn't go off, like I said. So when he moved it and put them bitches together, the gun went off and a bullet went through my face. It went in right here. It came out right here, in my shoulder, and out my back. One bullet, four holes. And then, honestly, with the situation and all the adrenaline, I didn't even know I was shot at first. I just seen the light from the bullet. And when my baby came out the room, because he heard the gun go off, I bust out crying, and I put my head down and saw all the blood on my shirt, and then I panicked. I'm like, you shot me? <laughs> like, fuck me up. Like, you ain't never put your hands on me, but you shot me. Like, that's fucked up. And you had just finished telling me about how much you love me. We got unconditional love. Nigga really fucking with you, whatever. But you shot me. Like, it's not making sense to me. So then he dropped the gun and was like, oh, shit, babe, I'm sorry. I ain't mean it. I ain't even know that bitch was going to go off. Man, that's fucked up. Come on, let's go to the hospital. So now he grabbing me, trying to pull me up because I was sitting on the floor. Pull me up off the floor, talking about let's go. I don't have no shoes on or nothing. He didn't push me out the door. We leaving. Ain't got no call. We go out, get to the front of the apartment. Then he gonna tell me, stay right here, let me go get your shoes. But I feel like you gonna flip on me. So I might as well just finish the job right now, huh? 
And I'm like, no, I would never do that. <clears throat> but you love me, but you want to take me out. Like, that makes sense to you? Because they don't make sense to me. <laughs> it just don't add up. Matt just like wasn't meant then. Right. Then and- we're gone. Like I said, we don't have no car, so we walking. He called his friend and said, I need to ride my girl. Just got hit by a straight bullet. His friend was like, I ain't fucking with that. Wouldn't come. So he said, well, I guess I'll call the Uber. Because uh, my phone don't even know how to dial 911. Ain't doing that shit. So now we standing on the corner waiting on the Uber to pull up to go to the hospital because I got shot by him. Wow. So that was just recently. So what happened with that? He came with me to the hospital, made sure I told the people a story that didn't happen. Once I did that, he disappeared. And I never saw him again. This was January the night. By the time we got to the hospital, it was about 1 a.m. on the 10th. And I had to answer Google questions and stuff about the detective and polices and stuff. But I never saw him again. The police told me don't answer the phone, don't talk to him. Because they didn't want him to know that they was looking for him. So I was on, I guess, protective custody in a sense until he killed himself. February 25th. But he was reaching out and he actually did apologize. Like he was reaching out on Facebook, on Instagram, Messenger from different people pages. He was calling my phone. He was texting my phone. He was using other people's phones and I never answered him. But he actually did apologize in one of the messages on Instagram and I guess he expected me to answer him after that, but I still didn't. But I never saw him again after he shot me. Wow. So how do your how did that affect your children? Because one of your babies was there. Yeah, so me and my baby go to counseling now. Um thank God for son of a saint program he's one of the mentees in that program so they help not only the children they also help the parents too um so they're paying for him to go to counseling as well as myself and he actually has to go to counseling because not only did he witness my situation but he also witnessed his dad dying as well his dad got stabbed by his girlfriend in front of him when he was six with a butcher knife. So, and that was the last time he saw his dad. Oh my God. Oh baby. Yeah, that's that's a lot. How old how old is he? He just made twelve last month. That's a lot. Man. Are y'all really close? We are now. Like we were close, but we are closer now. So like if I go somewhere and I'm gone too long, he calling me. Where you at? Who yeah. you with? How long you gonna be? And like at first, it was like, um, I thought I was the parent, but I had to like 
realize yeah. I'm sorry and give him the report. I'm coming. I'll yeah. be there. And he gonna be extra protective of you. So that's you know that's the the good bond and peace that that comes with that situation. Um, so you also have a book. You say that every wound has a scar and every scar has a story. Yeah, well, that is the saying that I believe in. But the, the title of my book that's out now is called The Love You Promise Hurts Like Hell. It was released last year in April. Um, It talks about a lot of things that I've been through because I have been through a lot. I've, I've also been raped and stuff. So it talks about a lot of the stuff, not everything, because like I said, I've been through a lot. Um, I'm right now working on a book called Love's Parting Gift. And that's the outcome of this situation that just happened in January. Wow, how often do you go to therapy? Every Thursday every week okay yeah because that's a lot that you have to go through because it's it's and it's just so sad because a lot of times we we as women you know we get a real bad rep when it comes to certain things and domestic violence is one like I said earlier it's like they treat you like you're the victim but people don't realize all the stuff that you've been through you've been through a lot of stuff like a lot mm-hmm. like where how do you how did you come comfortable being so vulnerable like being able to actually tell your story now like before you were embarrassed about it what makes you want to tell your story now the fact that I feel like I'm here for a reason like I have a purpose of being here and I feel like me experiencing what I did is my purpose and it needs to be shared before it was not telling because I grew up in a house well but go on in my house stay in my house don't tell my fucking business so that's why I was shut in like I was at first but I feel like I need to share my story because me sharing my story might help somebody else or it might help somebody to help somebody else so I'm gonna share as much as I can as often as I can Okay, and what was the hardest part about writing your memoir, The the Love You Promised? What was the hardest part about writing that? Kind of, sort of, having to relive it. Um, because just like with the situation that happened in January, everything to me, it kind of feels like the out-of-body experience. So, like, I, I remember it like I was standing on the side watching it happen. So the hardest part was actually having to go live through it again to be able to have to write it. Do you wish now, I know a lot of people say they don't have regrets, but do you wish looking back that you could change anything with the first and the second situation? At one point I did say, I wish I could change it, but I don't because me, you know, going through what I went through, it made me who I am now. It made me look at life and people different at one point i was like if somebody spoke to me or they talked to me that's my friend you know if i got you got whatever now i'm i i gotta analyze you i'm gonna check you out for a minute whatever it's not gonna just be no welcome with open arms like i used to be so me going through what i've been through it made me who i am it made me stronger and i think that it made me resilient 
and I'm not giving up on nothing because I know that I have a purpose of being here. And I'm not going nowhere until I figure out, you know, I'm not going to give up until I figure out what that purpose is. And I get that running like I, uh, what is it? God's plan in action. That's what I mean. Right. Okay. So when you, you deal with, I guess, like when you help other girls that are going through this type of situation, other ladies, what do you, how do you encourage them to to reach out to get help do you just tell them to leave or is there like a certain way that things should be done if they're in a bad situation yeah it it is a certain situation you can't just leave because it's, it's not that easy to just leave right because some people if you tell them to leave they if, if they're not ready to leave they're not gonna go nowhere or they're gonna go temporarily and they're gonna go back like i say i left my husband i went back and I had to be done myself before I was able to walk away and stay away. So, and it's very dangerous to just try to just walk away. You can't just do that. You have to it have it in place. Right. I also notice on like all the movies, and I always hate this part of the movie when the woman finally decides she won't leave. I'm like, why do they always tell them? Be like, I'm leaving you. Like, just don't tell them because it always goes um the wrong way i think did you see tubi has this movie it came out a couple of months ago till dead do us part with the guy mm-hmm. he flipped out in true story and actually just killed a bunch of people because she told him so do you think that's a good idea not at all like just like it's not easy it's, it's not safe to just walk away it's not safe to tell them either if you decide that you're done and you're gonna walk away or you you need to move around then you need to like i say come up with a plan and make sure everything is in place so you could get to where you're trying to go in a safe place a safe manner right another thing i think that comes up is how can we tell the difference is when somebody being serious or when they just playing with you but a lot of times we think that it's nothing and then it ends up being something so What's a good rule of thumb that you like to say about men threatening? Like a friend of mine recently just gone through this situation. The guy told her that he was going to kill her. He's like, oh, you must want to die today. And then he texted her that twice. And then he came back after, you know, she told him she was getting the police involved. And he said, you know, I wouldn't do you anything. So how do you, what type of advice do you give to women to keep them understanding when men say stuff like, well, I was just planning. You know, I would never do that. How can you tell a difference or is there a difference? I think you should always take them serious. It's like they said, a person is always going to show you who they are. If he tell you he going to do you something, he's definitely going to do it. And if you feel like it's, it's never a safe situation to stay. If they tell you they're going to do you something, you need to start making your plan now. Because nine times out of ten, he's serious. If he plan, you don't need to feel like he playing. You take him serious at all times. Because like I said, he told me in the beginning, when we first met, in that first week, either you're going to do what the fuck I say or you're going to get the fuck from around me. And I took it as a joke. But he was serious. He didn't threaten and say he was going to do me nothing. But he was serious. And I dealt with the consequences because I thought it was a joke. I took it for a joke and I stayed. There's a video. 
there's a video with this some little dudes that be interviewing people and they go i think they're on lsu campus and they're asking girls like what you like about the guy and she say oh i like when he's possessive i like when he when he gets jealous i like when he, you know and they were all saying things that nothing but red flags what what would you say about like videos like that how how do we get our young girls to see that that's not cute? Because they like that sometimes. They think that's cute, being choked up and being... I just seen a little young boy in high school pulling on a girl, slapping a girl. Like, how do we get our girls to see that that's not cute? Honestly, I think, like, they have the program to scare straight to get them to not want to go to jail. They need to have some kind of program like that with domestic violence situations because that's not funny. Is it shouldn't be acceptable and love is not supposed to hurt. Love is supposed to be a beautiful thing. And a lot of people get that twisted. I didn't hear females say a lot of times too, he don't love me if he don't beat me. That's the dumbest shit I ever heard in my life. Yeah. That's so true. Just recently, like I was telling you about with my friend, we had to go through the process of getting a restraining order. Have you ever had to go through that process? Because it is extremely hard. Nothing about it is easy. They do not make it any kind of comfortable for women. Well, there were some men there too, but it was a, a very hard process. Do you have any experience with that? I never had to go through the process of getting it by myself. Like, you know, I got it the one time with the situation with my husband, and then they were trying to give it to me after I got shot. But it was a process because there was like, you need to be protected. You need this piece of paper, but we can't give it to you if you don't have an address for him. Where are we gonna serve it to? Um, then they told me something else. So yeah, it, it is a process. It's a dumb process, but it's just a piece of paper. Like, I don't understand what that's supposed to do anyway, because they don't take that serious either. And my husband was like, fuck that shit. You my wife, I don't give a fuck. And he was still really? coming around and whatever. Wow. Yeah. So, wait, let me show you some stuff that we had from... They were talking about the different ways that they respond to calls. They were talking about the 911 calls. They had 175 domestic calls. In this particular time, when they go to the house, and sometimes they say it's so many hours later that they don't need it anymore. Have you ever experienced a situation where you called the police and they didn't come at all? They came the next day? No, because I never called them. I, 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 because I've always been the type of person where I don't want to put somebody else in my business. So I don't call the police. And then at the same time too, you call the police, then person be like threatening you anyway. Because in the situation with my with my husband, I used to take pictures every time after we fought and my bruises was there. You know, I was going to work with a boot on my leg, a cast on my arm, an ace band wrapped around. You know what I'm saying? So naturally I'm taking pictures because I got all this stuff. And at first it was just because I wanted it for myself. But then when he realized that I was taking pictures every time, he go off. What you trying to fucking set me up? What you gonna call the police for me? Now he upset and he won't fight because he thinks the police about to be involved. So I never played the police, which was a mistake on my part too, because then I didn't have no paper trail. What if I would've got too upset one day and I'd have fucking killed him? 
it would have been me in trouble in vain because I never reported nothing. That so that that's a good thing. So you definitely suggest because a lot of women are scared to call the police. Mm-hmm. But you should still do it because you got to have a paper trail. The paper trail is very important. Yeah, we've had a lot of women here in New Orleans recently killed through um, domestic violence. And the sad part is most of them women called the police. Like you said, most of them had papers and nothing really stopped anything. There's a new program with the Family Justice Center that I did want to mention that they said that because we've had so many issues in New Orleans with women being killed or um, abused, that they created a new program. But I did want to say, and I want to put it on the record, that, like I said, I went with my friend just recently, just this week, and I went with her, and not one time did anybody ever mention anything with this program about domestic violence. They sent us down there, gave us a big old packet with words that half of us don't understand. We Googling the words and trying to see what it means. Fill this out, fill this out. You can't ask a question. They tell you if you don't have it full, lunch breaks going upstairs downstairs second floor third floor fourth floor so i will say that it was a horrible process and a woman that may not know how to read or may be a little slow there is no way she's going to be able to fill out that paperwork because it's it's tough it's very hard i mean i didn't finish college and some of the stuff i didn't even understand but it's sad that they make women go through that do you help any other people and do you see where they have issues with the police and protection for other people not for you but for other people that you may have mentored so me well right now my help is mostly referrals because I was doing everything out of my pocket I've been trying to get people to write grants for me since I started this nonprofit in 2015 and I've had no success so my help is very very minimal because Especially right now, because I was out of work for almost four months after I got shot. And I just really went back to work. But my help right now is just referrals mostly. But I'm trying to get to the process where I'll be able to offer help or whatever. At one point, I did have a contract with a hotel. Whereas if people wanted to leave, they could go to the hotel and I'm paying for it. But that fell through. And I want to be able to help because I know that being in that situation and I didn't have nothing or nobody to turn to, having that help is a good thing. So right. I'm trying to get to the point where I can be able to help in every capacity. Okay. All right. So this is another one that I wanted to talk about. They talk about calling 911 and they said that more residents call 911 to report dangerous encounters with spouses or romantic partners that at any time in a decade. So we've been having a lot of stuff, a lot of domestic violence issues, like I said, going on in the city, a lot of murders, uh, you know, everything. So when you see these young girls getting killed, what goes through your mind when you see that it was a result of domestic violence? The first thing is my prayers and condolences goes out to the family. And then it's Honestly, I think about me being in in that situation and the stuff that I've been through. It just makes me want to be able to do more stuff to be able to help or try to prevent the next one or whatever. 
So that's what make me go harder with my nonprofit and trying to get out more and trying to do more events and stuff. What's the name of your nonprofit? It's Blessing Our Women. Okay, so it's Blessing Our Women. If y'all look in the background, y'all can see the website. Make sure that y'all go check that out because we have a lot of women. According to some report I saw, it said that 31% of all women will experience domestic violence. And if you aren't one that's experiencing it, you may be related to somebody or it's gonna affect you in some way. So if y'all can, please donate time, money, resource, whatever you can to Nadia because she has a, you know, she has a lot to say. She's trying to help people. I had no idea that her story was, you know, this intense. I was, I wasn't expecting this much. I thought I did read something about being shot, but I guess it's just different hearing it come from you, and especially the fact that you weren't even um, hit by him. It just, he just kind of flipped out. So just going through all of that and thinking back, if you can go back in time and talk to Nadia when she was 17 years old. What would you tell her about the things that she was about to experience? Oh, what I would tell my 17-year-old self is <laughs> not to be joking or whatever, but get ready for a ride. Um, being strong is important. Um... Don't let nobody change you, which I have in a sense. Because I done got to the point where is I'm like, what you give me is what I'm gonna give you. But I used to be the kind-hearted, there for everybody type person. I still try to help a lot of people, but now because I've been through so much, it take a minute for me to open up and be like, what you need, I got you. Right. But the most important thing is don't let nobody change you. Real. Okay. So can you let everybody know how they can follow you, how they can keep up with you, and how they can buy your book? And you have another book coming out. Can you let everybody know how they can keep up with you? All right. So you can see behind me the website is blessingourwomeninc.org. I'm on Instagram as bow underscore Inc. Facebook, Bio Inc. Um, I'm also on LinkedIn and Twitter. LinkedIn is, I believe it's Bio Inc. too. Twitter is the same as Instagram. Okay, Bio underscore Inc. for Instagram and Twitter. Okay, that's the one I wanna. And the book is available on Amazon on Amazon okay and the other one will be coming but if they follow you they can keep up and know everything that's coming do you have any message that you want to let any let everybody know before we leave out message I always leave out of any event podcast interview with is if you or someone else that you know is experiencing domestic violence it's okay to share um you need to know that you're not alone. Help is always available. And if you just need somebody to talk to, I'm here. Always willing to listen because I know that's one of the things I didn't have when I was going through what I was going through. An unbiased ear to listen. And that's important, unbiased. 
extremely that is important so definitely get somebody to talk to make sure you have a therapist and also something i wanted to address to you um because i heard you say earlier i want to say something but i, I didn't want to mess the story up and you were saying that you had um issues where you you know you said you wasn't cute you wasn't that you said all those things and i want to of course correct you as another woman and that and to say that you know of course and you notice that you are beautiful but a lot of times when we go with with certain men and we do have that low self-esteem they know that so i'm saying that because it's important for young girls now to listen confidence is important those men especially weak men they know how to tell when you're weak and when you're insecure about stuff and they'll play on those insecurities and a lot of times we feel like we need them we feel like we can't get no better than them a lot of times and i'm speaking from experience so sometimes we feel like we can't get anybody that's any better because I'm this, I'm dark, I'm fat, or whatever, whatever you're feeling. And guess what? It's not just average girls, pretty girls, all kind of girls go through this situation. So I'm saying that to y'all, to the listeners, and a lot of times we find ways to blame ourselves. You know, I was always like this, I was always like that, but we got to start loving ourselves. We got to start knowing our worth and parents as parents of kids. We gotta start telling our children that they're beautiful. We gotta start letting them know because they're going into this world and the minute something negative help, you know, gets them, they're gonna go to thinking that it's because I'm fat or it's because I'm ugly or it's because I'm dumb or whatever. You gotta speak life into your children. Definitely. And like, as a result of that, the self-esteem stuff, I'm now also a plus size model. So okay. I'm comfortable in my skin now. <laughs> Yeah. And I used to run from the cameras. Now, every time I see one, I'm running. It's kind of like I'm ready. <laughs> I know that's right. <laughs> that's what's up. All right. So, for sure. So, I thank you, Nadia, so much. Thank you for your story. I mean, that was a real big testimony. And I'm inspired by you because that's a lot for a woman to go through. And then you see you went through more on top of that. So, you, and you're doing well for yourself. And you're using what you learned to help others. So, that's big. So, I want to commend you for that. Again, I want to thank you. I want to thank all the listeners for sticking with us through this entire time. And I hope you have been touched. If you know somebody or if you're going through it yourself, you can't be scared, y'all, because you never know when it's going to be your last time. We didn't really talk about this, but this is just something that I noticed. Women have been being messed over for centuries, and we just kind of take it. We deal with it. We might say all men are dogs. We might do all that. But a lot of times, Men cannot take the same thing that they've been doing us for years. Right? So <laughs> some men, I'm not saying all men, but I'm just saying men can't take what they give out. We had to take it to the chin and we had to keep going. But now be careful, women, because I know a lot of women want to, you know, turn into the man and do what they used to do. Be careful because they can't take it like we could. That's why a lot of women are dying because those men cannot take it. They can't take anything. Huh. all right so i went on enough um thank you again for being here thank y'all for listening remember to like comment subscribe go get that book the love you promise hurts like hell make sure y'all check it out make sure y'all follow keep up and if the law says the same i'll see y'all all next week peace